Good morning again. Great to see everybody today. Uh, thanks for joining us online as well. Uh, can you guys believe it's February already? I mean, it feels like April out there, but uh, man, this new year is just screaming by. Uh, as we've been touching on uh, some over the last few weeks, uh, the new year is kind of a, a time where many of us will uh, think about you know, making new habits, uh, maybe setting some new goals. Uh, last week, John mentioned his goal of doing sit-ups. Uh, personally, I'm working on some modified curl exercises. Um, I don't know if you guys have practiced these before, but uh, every morning I practice this, um, drinking coffee. And I tell I'm perfect. Like, I haven't missed a single day in that exercise. Sandy's got it right here. So I think that I maybe should be doing sit-ups with John. I could use some work there. But, man, the curls, it's just going great. Seriously, uh, you know, at the beginning of the new year, we are looking for maybe new hope, new change. Uh, think about this. There are a number of different ways that we look for to see change in our lives. Um, consider this. Maybe there's a few of the best-selling book titles from 2023. Listen to some of these titles. The Anatomy of a Breakthrough, How to Get Unstuck When It Matters Most. This next one's been around a while, but it's still a bestseller. Atomic Habits, An Easy and Proven Way to Build Good Habits and Break Bad Ones. The Greatness Habit, or Greatness Mindset, excuse me. Uh, unlock the Power of Your Mind and Live Your Best Life Today. Like, that sounds inviting. Be your future self now. The science of intentional transformation. Uh, you know, there's a reason why these books sell millions and millions and millions of copies. It's because we are hungry to experience change in our lives. We crave genuine transformation in us. But how does that practically happen? How does that happen? happen. Uh, this week I was uh, reflecting back on a classic resource uh, from author Dallas Willard. And one of the key points that Willard makes in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, is this. The becoming an apprentice of Jesus includes the pervasive inner transformation of our hearts and our souls. Of all the options that we could choose, Willard concludes that connecting with Jesus and learning to do life his way is the best way the best and most effective pathway to transformation that we could ever pursue. This is the invitation that we're given, to connect with Jesus, to learn to life to do his way. That is a pathway to transformation. And in many ways, that's the idea behind the current sermon series that we're working our way through. We've called it Seeing Jesus, a Character Worth Having. And we're exploring these different stories in the Gospels that showcase Jesus' beautiful character qualities. These qualities that are later summarized uh, in the book of Galatians, Galatians 5, where the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. <clears throat> it's love, it's joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So these are the kind of character qualities that we want to have in our lives. But the way into them uh, isn't just by trying harder. Listen to how Willard describes the actual process of transformation. He goes on and says this. These are called the fruit of the Spirit because they are not the direct effects of our efforts, but are brought about in us. How? We're brought about in us as we admire and we emulate Jesus. 
and we do whatever is necessary to learn how to obey him. Friends, transformation <clears throat> has more to do than just our grit, um, but it's also not a passive thing. As Willard outlines, there's this key component of being captivated by the person of Jesus, where we admire him, we exalt him, we emulate him, and then, then that naturally will lead to practicing his way of life. Again, that's the pathway to real change. That's what we see in Scripture that's what we want to talk about some more uh, today. Specifically this morning, I want to look at the character quality of gentleness. And I'm excited to talk to you about this this morning. And actually, I'm also really grateful. We've got a special friend here. Our friend Danny Mercado uh, is with us today. Uh, he's the uh, leader, regional leader of our area of Vineyard Churches in the upper Midwest. And so Danny's been here a few days. And so uh, he'll be joining me here up at the end of the message and helping to lead um, some ministry time. Okay, so let's dive in. Uh, to start... Maybe it's worth noting that the topic of gentleness doesn't just show up in one place in the Bible. Uh, it is all over uh, the New Testament. Taking these beginning examples, Philippians 4, uh, Apostle Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Colossians 3.12, we read this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Just a couple examples. When we talk about gentleness, what do we mean by that? In our search to define gentleness, maybe even it's helpful to consider uh, what gentleness is not. So let me cover a couple of those. First, gentleness is different. Expressing gentleness is different than being timid. To say someone is gentle can often equate in our minds that they're shy, hesitant, you know, maybe even insecure. Now, even the Apostle Paul had to deal with this perception. In 2 Corinthians 10, he wrote, Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and the kindness of Christ, although I realize now that you think that I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. This early follower of Jesus, Paul, had made the kindness and the gentleness of Jesus a key hallmark of his life and his ministry, but unfortunately, some had taken that to mean that he was timid, <laughs> that he was just a weakling, that he, was, he didn't really have what it took. Similarly, many people can view being gentle, like I said, as, as being weak, and many of us can have a vision of Jesus maybe that even uh, misunderstands his gentleness. Maybe familiar with the, uh, the children's prayers from a number of years ago, so it's maybe not as familiar to some of that are younger, but it goes like this. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. Now, if we're not careful, we can get this picture of Jesus that's a little sanitized, you know, that's a little minimized. Uh, a picture of Jesus that really isn't accurate. But don't misunderstand this. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Here's how one author put it. Jesus was indeed gentle. He was considerate and compassionate. But if meek and mild is meant to suggest softness, timidity, spinelessness, indecisiveness, then that description does not 
fit Jesus. Friends, let me get this across really clear. This is one of the key items that I want you to hear this morning. I think Jesus was the most gentle person that has ever lived. And I believe that Jesus is also the strongest person that's ever walked the face of this earth. Those two things are not opposites. They actually go hand in hand. But so often we miss this because we're looking for a kind of strength that is really different than we often see in the person of Jesus. So Jesus' version of strength is different than what we're looking for. Here's a little bit of how I would describe some of what we see in Jesus in his version of strength. Gentleness is a unique expression of strength. One that's unthreatened, with nothing to prove, full of security, and not defensive. I think that's what we see in Jesus. And I think that's the kind of strength that God wants to invite us into. Again, it's really different than where we see a lot of different places. But there's something really captivating about this. I don't know if you've ever been around somebody that's like this, but it is amazing. There's a strength there. There is a a confidence. It's not like an ego or a cockiness, but it's just like a, a way of being. They're just unfathomed, unfazed. As we try to see Jesus, like right in the middle of this sermon series, these are qualities that we want to pick up on. We want to incorporate it into our own lives. We want to be both gentle and strong like Jesus was. We want to express a kind of courage and boldness that Jesus had, but one that also includes his kindness and his meekness. Again, gentleness. It's not uh, this weakness. It's a unique expression of strength. Unthreatened. Nothing to prove. Not defensive but full of security. Again, I think that's what we see modeled in Jesus. That's what we want more of in our lives. But let's be honest. Like, again, like I mentioned a moment ago, this goes against the grain of so much what we see in wider culture. And God honest, like this is often um, different than what we will pursue in the midst of church. One of the resources that we've been engaging with as a church staff um, over this last month or so uh, is a book called Bully Pulpit. Um, the author, Michael Kruger, uh, is a seminary professor, so he's been around the block a whole bunch, uh, and he wrote this book um, to confront some of the widespread problems of spiritual abuse within the church. And one of his arguments is, is that we will often take our model for church leadership more from what we see in the world than what we see in Jesus. Let's take a listen to a little section that he wrote specifically about gentleness. He says, gentleness is not uh, a popular trait in our world today. You'll find plenty of books in the self-help section on how to be more bold, assertive, and proactive, but you will struggle to find any that are designed to teach you to be gentle. No companies looking for a new CEO have gentleness as their top trait. And yet, the Apostle Paul believed gentleness matters very much. And no doubt part of the reason for this qualification is that this trait marked the great shepherd, Jesus himself. Can you get the, just the idea on this? The, oh, grasp hold of these items at the same time. You know, as I mentioned a moment ago, I believe that Jesus was the most gentle human being ever. <laughs> and I believe that he was the strongest person to ever walk this earth. 
His version of strength is different than what we often look for, but it's the very kind of strength that we desperately, desperately need. Again, Jesus was bold. He was courageous, very direct at times, and yet there were these qualities of patience and kindness that shaped those interactions. Jesus didn't put undue burdens on people. As John 1 says, he was full of both grace and truth. He didn't separate himself from sinners or the undesirable, but instead he was incredibly accessible and relatable. Example we looked at a few weeks ago was uh, this story from the Gospels about how Jesus powerfully demonstrated his humbleness, where he literally dressed as a servant and he washed the feet of his disciples. This morning we're going to look at yet another story in the Gospels where we see Jesus' humility and we see his gentleness on display. This is from John uh, chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. And so he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. No. And Jesus says, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Powerful story. Powerful story. And, uh, you know, maybe if you're reading in your Bible, um, you might have a little footnote. Um, you know, even if this account um, may not appear in some of the earliest uh, Greek manuscripts of the New Testament, there's really strong evidence that uh, for the authentication of this, the authentic encounter that this story is in the picture uh, that it gives us of Jesus. I want to dive into that just a little bit for the next few minutes. Uh, I think in this story we see two vivid examples of Jesus' gentleness. A number of you are already thinking about the first, which is where the story ended, of course, right? Where Jesus is showing this profound gentleness uh, towards this woman. But there's actually another one uh, in this story. I want to talk about that first. Jesus is also gentle with those that opposed him. Just think about this. You know, these teachers of the law, the Pharisees were bringing this woman to Jesus that had been caught in adultery. Uh, Their goal was to incite outrage, to stir up controversy. As verse 6 says, they were trying to trap Jesus uh, into saying something that they could use uh, against him. Uh, They they were challenging Jesus. This woman, she's caught in adultery. The law says to stone her, what do you think? You know, like they're just putting him on the spot and they're trying to figure out something uh, to just get him into a pickle. 
And I suppose Jesus could have responded in a number of different ways. I mean, some of you are already asking the question, like this woman was called into adultery, like, where's the guy, right? <laughs> you know, uh, there's got to be somebody else involved here, but that's not where Jesus starts. Neither does Jesus give them an immediate response. Instead, he wrote in the sand with his finger until they finally demanded an answer, and Jesus then said famously, okay, let whoever has never sinned, you throw the first stone. And then one by one, they all filed away, you know, seemingly knowing, like, that's not me, (laughs) until Jesus was left alone uh, with just him and the woman Again, on the first glance, as we read this story, we may not recognize Jesus' response as an expression of gentleness, but I want you to consider the description that I just gave a few moments ago. When these guys tried to catch Jesus in a trap, he was unthreatened. When they put him on the spot, he didn't power up, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't get defensive. He was unfazed. And... He was able to challenge them right back, but in a really unexpected fashion. It was an incredible expression of strength coming through gentleness. Let me give you a little bit of background on how I got started on thinking about this particular part of the story in this particular way. Uh, In prep for today's message, um, I did a simple word search. So this is one of those things that pastors, preachers have to do, like you, you do a little study, right? You know, and so I just did a word search in the New Testament of all the different places that the word or the theme of gentleness comes up. And here's what I found. A bunch of those had to do with expressing gentleness exactly in situations where you're being opposed, you're in conflict, where there is like this <laughs> battle that is going and that the scriptures give this invitation that that is exactly where we are meant to express gentleness. Here's one of those, 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 and 25. A servant of the Lord what must, must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. As the Apostle Paul describes what it's like to be a godly leader, qualities that he highlights include being kind and patient and gentle with those that are in direct opposition with us. Holy cow, I don't know how you feel, but this is challenging, right? Wow. And those instructions didn't come out of nowhere. I think they started with the example of Jesus. And maybe even from stories like the one we just read in, in John chapter 8. Now, thinking about Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus didn't respond to every situation exactly the same. You know, there was a number of different ways that he interacted with people. There were times where he gave pointed warnings to people like the Pharisees, saying, woe to you. And, you know, you might even think about the time that Jesus entered the temple and he turned over the tables. You know, so there's a bunch of different ways that Jesus shows up and interacts with people. But here's what I can't shake. One of the things that the first followers of Jesus took away from the example of him was that when we are in conflict, when we are in opposition, we're facing difficulty, one of the things that we're supposed to incorporate in that is Jesus' example of gentleness, his kindness, his patience, all of that. 
included the goal of opposing or confronting others with this spirit of gentleness. Okay, I already kind of stepped on your toes. <laughs> you know, put some big challenges. Let's check in real quick. How's this fitting you? Maybe you were thinking about people in your life that you don't get along with well. <laughs> you know, maybe people you don't like. Maybe people that you're in opposition with or that are opposed to you. Got some of those people in your mind? Okay. Think about what is your usual, maybe even using faith walking or emotionally focused language. What's your, what's your autopilot? Where do you typically go when you run into those kinds of situations? I really encourage you to be honest about that. It's really okay. Like, where do you go? What are your responses? I know for me, um, well, you think about this, my case, um, I can tend to avoid conflict. I really like people to get along. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so many times, I just rather for opposition just to go away so I don't have to deal with it. Like, that's, that's one of my default modes. You know, maybe your reaction's a bit more aggressive, uh, where you are tempted to do unto others before they do unto you. Um, you know, that's, that's a common approach in the world. <laughs> I don't think that's the way of Jesus, you know. But when we face opposition, we can often think like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ahead of this before that other person kind of gives it to me. Or, you know, maybe, um, you know, think about Paul. He instructs us to be kind to everyone, to be patient, even with difficult people. He doesn't say, be patient with the folks that are really easy. <laughs> he says, be patient even with difficult people. Again, and you might have some people in your life that you manage to be kind and patient towards, but then maybe there's others that that's much, much harder for. I think all of us are in that, that same boat. Also think about uh, people that have a different worldview than you or different beliefs. Uh, another one of the, the key early followers of Jesus, Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, he encourages us some ways that we can go about some of these relationships. This is 1 Peter 3. He says, don't, be, don't worry or be afraid of others' threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Some of the qualities that we've been talking about already today, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be threatened. Be secure in what you believe and just be willing to share where you find hope. But how are we supposed to go about that? We'll go about that in just a gentle and respectful way. We actually honor that person as a, as a valuable human being. We're not up here and they're down there and we're talking down at them. We just want to have an honest exchange, a genuine exchange. That's what we want to do. Okay, so <clears throat> this can be really challenging. <laughs> this can really get under us, but hopefully that is beginning to make sense. It's been a little bit off the beaten path of that story, but it's something I really felt like God uh, was wanting me to worth note. Okay, let's look for a moment at how Jesus was gentle with the woman caught in sin. Again, John 8 says, Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Here in just a few phrases, we see the grace and the truth of Jesus right at work. 
We see the gentleness of Jesus on display. You know, it's really important to note, like, Jesus didn't deny the circumstances. He didn't sugarcoat what was going on. He was really direct with the woman, but he also interacted with her in a way that gave her the best opportunity to take a step towards freedom. Friends, that is exactly how God relates to you and me. Our brokenness is in full view of God. He knows it all, right? Even if we're trying to uh, cover that up or hide that or deny that, like God sees it all. And yet, that doesn't become an ultimate obstacle to him. You know, I was just revisiting some classic things. You know, even uh, a number of non-Christians are familiar. You say the, uh, the verse John 3.16, and they might even try to, uh, to, uh, to quote that, or you know, at least familiar that that's an important part of the Bible. You know, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is God's approach to our sin and our brokenness. Again, when that was in full view, God sent his son, his very son, his only son, to die on our behalf, to pay the price for our sin. He paid a way that we could never pay, a debt that we were stuck in, and that God made a way through Jesus. And with that, he gave the promise that anyone who believes, anyone who trusts in this, will be able to step into an eternal kind of life. This is promised that if we look to Jesus, that we will be forgiven and that we'll learn a new way to live. Man, that is really good news. Really good news. This is what God gives us. Many of you are familiar with John 3.16, but you may not move on to the next verse, which applies even more directly to our story today. It says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Again, I think this just summarizes so much of God's approach to us. That when God saw our sin, he sent Jesus to pay the price for it, rather than leave us in a place of condemnation. He's merciful and he's kind. He's gentle even as he's not afraid to show us the truth. I think that's what love looks like. So that's God's approach with us. I think that also can give us an example of how we can approach uh, one another. Here's another one of the instructions from the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6 about gentleness. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I love how practical the Bible is. Don't you love that? Like God is not afraid to like point us toward the very best things, to challenge us towards growth, towards transformation, towards what could be. But his way towards us is to, to be kind and gentle and patient with us along that way. And he gives us this invitation that that's exactly how we should try and treat one another in that same process. You starting to see how this works? Okay. Gentleness, I think, is a really big deal to God. But it's not always easy to express. And so with that in mind, the last few minutes that we've got, I just want to touch on what are some ways that we can grow in this quality of gentleness. 
Again, where we started today was, you know, it's, it's not about gritting it out, trying harder. You know, Dels Willard talks about how, like, it's this place where we begin to see Jesus, emulate him, admire him, and then somehow in an almost like an indirect way, it begins to work itself out in our lives. But we participate in this. And so what are some of the ways that we can actually uh, grow in this? First of all, I think maybe the most important thing is that we grow by experiencing the profound kindness of Jesus in our own lives. Jesus said to his disciples, freely you've received, so freely give. And this applies to gentleness. A primary way we grow in being gentle towards others is being on the receiving end of that from Jesus. I'll share a couple examples for me. Um, if any of you are familiar with the Enneagram, uh, I'm an Enneagram type two, uh, the helper. Uh, there's many wonderful qualities like every Enneagram type or any personality type, uh, you know, to be loving and supportive and all that type of stuff. The shadow side of an Enneagram two is I love to be needed, um, the need to be needed. And that shows up in these areas sometimes of pride. I can fall into the trap of, taking responsibility for things that aren't mine to carry. And if I'm not careful, I can draw key aspects of my identity that are connected with my usefulness. I think, like, if I do a whole bunch of good things for you, then I'm good. (laughs) That's not the way that it's meant to be. And so, on a regular basis, like, I mean, this is one of those core struggles that I have. The kindness and the gentleness of God shows up uh, in these interactions, where I'll be holding on to something. I'll be investing maybe in a relationship um, trying to help somebody when they actually haven't asked me to help, <laughs> you know, or carrying a responsibility that is not mine uh, to carry. And so it's like I'm gripping on to this, and as I'm interacting with God in his kindness, he just kind of says, well, Brian, can I have that? <laughs> you know, like, like, would you just, just let go of that? Because... That's not yours, you know. Like there's a way of maybe trying to control that or work with that that it actually comes back to try to me just feeling secure and safe. Another example I mentioned earlier, um, when presented with conflict, my preferences just would go away. And God's continual challenge for me is to deal with things more directly. And so over and over, I've just seen God be so patient, firm, but kind, and just being able to encourage me. Hey, you got this thing going on with somebody? Like, dig into it. Like, don't just hope it goes away. Like, dive into it. But you can see how different that is than so often how we think about God. Where it's like, come on, do this. Some of you were falling asleep, so I'm trying to get you awake again. <laughs> okay? We just think God is like this meanie, and he just wants us to produce this stuff. Friends, that is not the God that I have come to know in the person of Jesus. He is direct with us. He'll tell us the truth, but he is so kind. He is so patient with us. He wants us to get it. And so we get these invitations over and over and over again to experience the profound kindness of Jesus in our own lives. As we realize we don't deserve that. I didn't earn it that starts to work itself out in us and even how we can express gentleness uh, to other people. Another verse I've been reflecting on a lot this week is Romans uh, chapter 2, verse 4. 
says, it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. I love that. God's kindness, his gentleness, those are often what help us to do what I was describing, where we, we hand over the things that we need to surrender to him. Now, Jesus, he paid the price for every one of our sins. <laughs> so we can turn to him in repentance rather than doing things our own way. Also think about the way that experiencing God's kindness in the midst of difficulty uh, has helped me, and I know many others, like, can help us grow in gentleness. Even as I look back on this past year, like so many hard things, and also so many experiences of God's grace and his kindness. Like, there are spiritual muscles in me that got like this massive workout over this last year that have helped me to grow. You know, that I wouldn't have been able to grow maybe in that way otherwise. All of those are meant to do their work. Same thing is true to you. Okay, so here I want to give you a little challenge as we talk about this, okay? We think about experiencing the profound kindness of Jesus. Where have you experienced that recently? It's a really great topic to talk about over lunch today. And when you go home, uh, you know, if you're going to be in a small group this week, it's going to be a great discussion starter. Where have you experienced the kindness of God in recent days? Man, what a great conversation that could be. You know, just to experience and to share with one another these different touch points of God's grace and his power, his gentleness. Chance to see even more transformation in our lives and express real love uh, towards one another. Again, what is a way that you've experienced God's profound kindness recently? Challenge you to share that with someone, maybe ask somebody that, that question itself. Okay, second way. Um, we also grow uh, by practicing gentleness in real life situations. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to let you off on the hook of this. Uh, this isn't theoretical, uh, this is immensely practical. Um, and as we've kind of touched on um, before, um, where this shows up is often in really difficult places. Um, you know, uh, some of us, the people that we have the hardest time being gentle with are the folks that we're closest to. You know, it could be our spouse. could be our kids. could be our parents. could be another family member. You know, maybe think about um, work situations. You know, coworker that just drives you batty. Maybe that's a person that God is wanting to work in you more and more of these qualities of gentleness. I'm saying that God's punishing you, like he's setting that up in that way just to work on you. But he's going to use anything and everything to work in us the character of Jesus, okay? So we're just going to use any and every real-life situation uh, to have this work in us, okay? Uh, what, it's 2024? I don't know if you heard this. There's lections this year. Um, so... <laughs> You know, there's going to be a few things flying through the airwaves and all the interwebs and all of that. Like, what if you and I made a commitment that in any interaction that we have, whatever our beliefs or our you know, thoughts might be, that we could go about that with a real spirit of gentleness rather than arrogance or haughtiness or disdain? Um, you know, maybe, again, like I mentioned before, with um, people that believe different. You know, 
You might have folks that are just really antagonistic to the fact you come to church or that, you know, if you've got a faith in Jesus, that could be a real environment for you to say, God, I really need your help. Like, it's really hard to be gentle with this person that I'm at odds with. But I believe that you can help me. Okay, you kind of see how this works? Okay. Again, like this isn't just, my hope is like for you to not just sit here today and think, oh, it's a nice message. You know, Brian's a nice guy. You know, uh, my hope is, is that you will have a number of things in your real life right now that God is saying, I want to deposit more of the gentleness of Jesus in you. And I'm going to give you real life examples, real life situations where you can practice. Okay. Practice. Here's the thing about practice. You're not usually good at it <laughs> when you start. And that's okay. We get to work this out. God's with us. God helps us. Jesus died for everything. The Holy Spirit is with us. Man, he wants us to get this. He wants to help us. So again, here's another question you might ask yourself. In what relationship? Or what situation can I intentionally practice gentleness this week? Let me just add this prayer. Oh, God. <laughs> God, help me practice. So that settles in a little bit. I want to welcome um, my friend Danny up here. Um, and uh, you can just go ahead and stay seated for a moment. Um, as I was praying about today and know that Danny was going to be here with us, um, I'm actually doing pretty good on time here. So... Um, just wanted to take a few moments for us to just kind of be present before God. That whatever God is working in each one of us, that we can slow down, we can just take a moment and present that before the Lord and just ask for His power, His transformation right in those places. So just as you're comfortable, I just encourage you to open up even more to God. And let me pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come, God. Thank you that you've already been with us this morning in so many fashions. God, in our worship, in our fellowship, in hearing um, the wisdom of your word, being challenged by that, God. And so even just right now, would you just help this to go just another couple floors down in our lives, God, just a little bit deeper. I'll just wait for a few moments here. Just come back. We have been invited this morning uh, by a gracious God to consider uh, if in this area of our character we are missing the mark. And in the Bible, missing the mark means what? Exactly, sin. So as we consider this aspect in our character, 
who doesn't reflect Jesus, as we consider this this morning, let's open up ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't know your heart. I don't know if you are slacking in this area, but you do. And your significant others, they know, <laughs> right? So in, if in the grace of our Father, He's allowing us this morning to reflect on this reality that probably we have in our lives, Let's repent mm. from this sin yeah. this morning. Mm. And let's receive the amazing and beautiful work of the Spirit. Mm. And let's receive the gracious gift of transformation and renewal in the power of the cross and the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's good. Maybe even just some of you, when you saw me kind of do that physical thing, like whatever that, those things are for you, <laughs> you know, that you can just release those to Jesus. Yes, Lord. Do you work yeah. in this moment, Lord? Yeah. And just know that he is incredibly gentle and kind in that exchange. He wants to bring his, his love and his power and his freedom to every single one of us, to the deep depths of our souls, of our lives. So just come with that, God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do you work? We're open. We want to be gentle, Disciples of you, Lord, help us to model the kingdom. Help us to model your character wherever we are, wherever we go. Yeah. In the beautiful name of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. amen. We love you. We've been praying for you. We love being your family. My beautiful girlfriend and wife sending, is sending her love. Greetings to all of you. We're here to serve you. We have been here for you, and we want to be here for you and with you in this season. God bless you. Keep your sight on Jesus Christ, the perfecter of our faith. The Lord is with you, and he will be with you, and he is going to lead you to an amazing season for his glory and for your delight. We love you. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and sit up? We're going to pray some more. We're going to go back into some worship. And... Uh, um, I'm just going to respond to what God uh, wants to do uh, in this time. So if you're on our prayer ministry team, you want to start making your way up here. Worship team, you guys can make your way uh, as well. Um, I think some practical items. Um, you know, relationships, situations where you just know, like, this is a battle to live out this quality of gentleness. Like, what a wonderful way to be able to bring those relationships, those situations before God and just humbly ask for his help. Um, you know, I, I think there may be some folks here today where as I'm talking about Jesus' work on the cross, that he died for your sins so that you could be forgiven and you could learn a brand new way of life. Like, you've never stepped into that. Today is a day that you can say, Jesus, I want to trust you. I don't know everything about that, but when this guy up here is talking about this and as I'm experiencing this, there's something real that I want to connect with. Any of our folks up here would uh, be more than happy to lead you through and just talk to you about what it would mean to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, but there could be any number of other situations that you might have come in with today. God is here. He is kind. He is wonderful. He is powerful. He wants to be on your side. So Holy Spirit, would you just help us? 
to experience more of that today. Let that well up on us with worship. We just say you're worthy. You're worthy of it all, God. We love you now. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take about the next 10 minutes to uh, just continue to worship. So I encourage you to engage in that. Come up and get some prayer. Um, Thanks so much for being here today at the Vineyard.